Merkel Media. I guess it's time to go back in time. Are you telling me you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? Time is but a stubborn illusion. I have a lot of memories of the past. People are time traveling within themselves. Time travel is possible. Okay, I'll reload it. This was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. But the giant moves. He's got a spear in one hand and he's running really fast and spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody yells, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blowed his head off. I feel something pulling at my leg, and I look over, and there are two small gray entities pulling at me, and they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reach my hand into this bush, and I touch air. Couldn't breathe, and I couldn't move, because I know I'm seeing a monster. to the show everybody you're listening to the confessionals i am your host tony merkel and thank you for being here if you've had an encounter or a story you'd like to share with me on the show go ahead and shoot me an email my email address is the confessionals podcast at gmail.com that's the confessionals podcast at gmail.com or go to the website the confessionals podcast.com hit the connection section and you can reach me that way as well either way works for me just get a hold of me Now, this week's show, we have two interviews this week. One, we have Tony coming up, and Tony shares an experience that he had out in the woods with a light that was just very odd. And then we have Carrie coming on, and Carrie shares a lot of random ghost activity that she's had in her house and just different places. She had a lot of different stories to share, so we're going to get into it right now. Tony on the line here. Tony, how you doing, man? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So we scheduled this interview, I think it was a while back, probably in February or something like that. But, uh, you know, your interview or the email that you sent me, it did catch my attention. And we were talking about a little bit here and stuff. And I just wanted to get you going on it right away. Uh, but share with the audience, you know, I, I know you were in the woods and I think you said you were hunting. Uh, so yeah, I- Share with share with people, you know, what you were doing, what time of day it was, and uh, walk us into, you know, that experience you had, that just an odd experience. Okay, 
Yeah, I can go back. Um, I don't exactly know uh, how many years ago it was. Um, it, since it wasn't really a, <laughs> I kind of prefaced it this way, it wasn't really a scary experience. Uh, so I kind of just, I kept the experience in my mind um, other than just being odd. So I, it, it's probably maybe three or five years ago, but uh, it was around, it was in the winter during hunting season here in Arkansas, so it's pretty cold. Um, but I had to say it was around December, January, some, something like that. Uh, it was gun season, um, so I knew I knew I had to, uh, you know, go out early in the morning. Um, so what I normally do when I go out, I, I live about an hour and a half from where I go deer hunting, and um, so I. I usually have to get up really early to drive out there and I can stay, but I just, I normally don't like staying out there. This is family land where I hunt. So I don't have any reason, you know, to not stay out there, but just a preference of mine. I just like to leave and go when I, when I please. Uh, but I, I got out there extra early that morning. Um, just, it was, it was kind of an awkward, not really awkward, but it's not, usual for me to get out there early usually i'm I'm running kind of late <laughs> on those mornings so i like to sleep in but uh that morning i got out there about an hour and a half to two hours almost before daylight and um what i normally do is if i get out there too early i'll just sit in the truck and uh what i've done that before i've fallen asleep and woken up you know before right at daylight and it's already too late to kind of sneak out in the woods right. and you can still go out but you know it's just kind of you've kind of messed yourself up for the for the hunt so for sure what i did when i got out there i had, I had gotten my sleep the night before um really good so i wasn't i wasn't sleeping when i got out there so i went ahead got all my stuff together and i walked out um to my spot and i was i was hunting on the ground in a little fold-out chair um just in a in a little crook of trees right on the edge of a uh, old garden spot probably about 30 yards by about 50 yards not not great big but not real small cut out of some trees um this this night was uh real real dark no moon and no clouds but it was clear but it was real real dark just just stars um and out there where she's at uh this is my aunt um uh, it's it's far enough out where there's no city lights that get out there. So if when you're out there, if there's not a porch light on, it's dark. Um, so I get out there. I don't use a flashlight when I walk out. Uh, if I do, it's every two or three seconds just so I don't step in a hole or something. But I'm not trying to scare off anything that's out there. So I go ahead and get out there and get set down because I want to get out, get silent in the woods. So if I don't if I scare anything, it comes back, or you know whatever's coming through the woods just keeps on coming. Um, and I want to kind of preface the story too. Also, is I've been out there. She she's been living out there for as long as I've been alive. So I'm 33 now. Uh, she's been at least 40 years, uh, and I've been going out there my entire life. Uh, and so I've seen all manner of aircraft, uh, helicopters, airplanes, civilian, military. I mean, you name it. I've probably seen it at least once. 
Uh, I've seen, I've even seen the Blackhawks that fly at night with the the sheriffs looking for dope. <laughs> um, I've, so I've seen it. I've seen it. And I can just about get, I can just about tell you what it is. Um, I've seen every, every manner of civilian aircraft, even flying in the early stuff, flying in at night or, you know, flying in early in the morning, you know, right before daylight landing at the airport. And they've got a certain path that they fly when they're landing at the, I think it's called the Clinton airport now. Um, and the military doesn't really fly at night. So, you know, if you see one at night, they're doing something with the sheriff's department. But anyway, uh, so I, I just say that to say, if I see something at night, generally it's either police or civilian. <clears throat> but anyway, so I get out there that night. It's it's calm. It's quiet. Nothing's moving in the forest. I don't have any kind of uh, feelings about anything. I'm just sitting there kind of looking at the sky. Bunch of stars out. It's a, it's a beautiful night. Beautiful time for deer. That's what I'm thinking, you know, it's it's cold it's perfect time of day perfect time of year and i'm just sitting there i probably sit there for 30 minutes a good 30 minutes maybe a little bit more and i'm just kind of halfway and i'm not asleep i'm kind of halfway staring because i can't see in the dark in, in the woods it's thick enough trees where you you can't see when it's dark you can't see much past your face really or past, past the end of your gun um but you can see up past the treetops because it's, you know, the sky. And I'm just kind of looking up. And right out of the corner, if I'm staring at the horizon, I guess you could say, at my 2 o'clock, not quite 3 o'clock, uh, a flash of light about, I'd have to say, about as fast as, you know, those old wind-up cameras you could buy from the uh, Walgreens? Yeah, um, you know the little stamp that you can still develop. I don't even the I ones think you that can are still disposable. Maybe yeah, the disposable cameras. Okay, it's about that qu- that quick. Maybe just a little bit slower. But we used to take those things and, and when the, when they run out, you could smack them on your hand and make them flash, just messing around with them. Um, we used to make them do that, and uh, it was about that fast. It was it was slower than that, so it it lasted longer than that. And it was it was that kind of bluish white color, uh, but the thing the thing about it was is it was it was at least thirty feet up in the trees because these these trees were tall pine trees. I was, it was a pine thicket. It was not really thick because my uncle had cleared it out, but it, it was pine trees. Well, they weren't real thick, but they were real tall, and they were about. 35, it, it was about the top of these trees, and it, it was no more than 20 yards from me. It, it was close um, as far as the distance that I could, what it seemed to be from me. Um, up in the trees, like below the tops, but kind of like in the, because when a pine tree grows, the top, as, as young as these are, it was really just the tops of the trees. It didn't have didn't have many needles or branches, anything below much, much of the top. Um, and that's kind of where it was about 30 feet up. And, um, it, it shone and it was about a bluish white color, kind of like an led light. 
Um, and it, what it did is it, it lit me up and like right around me, but not the whole forest, not like, yeah, I don't know if you've ever seen a, a police helicopter's uh, searchlight, like when yeah. they're looking for a fugitive or something. I've been lit up by one of those before down here where I live. What were you it'll doing? Light, <laughs> it'll turn the. Yeah, was, no, they weren't looking for me. They weren't, say, they weren't looking for me. They, they, I, I know they weren't. It has happened before. I tell people that, and they go, well, "Who are they looking?" I don't know who they were looking for, but it lit the whole truck up like a daylight. But this light that happened to me in the woods just lit up basically where I was sitting. It lit my gun up. It lit me up. I, I'm assuming it lit the chair. I mean, it just just me and the area where I was sitting, but not the immediate surrounding area. Like past me, if a, a foot or so, it was still dark. Um, and then it as soon as I as soon as I got out, what the you know front door? I didn't even get the f out. It was off, and I'm I've got a hold of my gun, of course. And my first thought is, what you know, what was that? And I looked up to where I I knew it was, or where I thought I knew it was, and there was nothing there. But you know what I could make out just barely of a of a tree that was closer than I thought it was. In fact, I couldn't judge the distance. The tree that I could see was closer than it was if that makes any sense. And then okay. aside from that, I just sat there because I didn't want to, I, I wasn't, I didn't want to run. I didn't think there was anything coming for me, but I also didn't want to run. If that makes any sense. Yeah, for sure. Um, I didn't feel like there was something. I also want to be like, well, if that was somebody in the tree, which it was sounded stupid to me at first because I know I know there wasn't anybody in that tree because it up that high those trees are really thin and they're not supposed to be anybody out there but you know how stupid people are um, right can't nobody climb up that tree anyway um, two if it's something weird <laughs> I'm gonna see it here in just about two seconds anyway. Um, but I sat there till daylight, which was only 45 minutes, you know, later when the sun actually started cresting. Uh, and then I, I pretty much got out of there cause I didn't, I really didn't want to sit there anyway, but I don't, I don't really know why I didn't take off. Run- I guess cause it was dark too. I didn't want to take off running in the dark. I, I really don't know why I didn't run. I mean, I didn't take off. It was a fact. It was a, not being scared, but kind of not wanting to run. It was kind of it was kind of weird. I, I don't really know. But that, hmm. that's pretty much the end of that. Um, what happened? Okay. Well, I mean, you said you weren't scared, and this flash of light that you saw, it wasn't directly above you, right? No, it was uh, like a forty-five degree angle. Maybe, maybe, maybe more. Maybe. Not right above me, but not maybe not forty five, but not right above me. No. All right, it but was at an angle. But you said that it seemed like the light was directed at you, right? Like, because I mean, a few feet away from you it was dark, right? Yeah, it was directed at me. Yes. 
Okay. It was like if somebody was in the it was like if somebody was in the tree point if if somebody was in the tree pointing it at me, they were pointing it at me. Now, I, there was nobody in the tree, but yes, it was directed at me. Gotcha. All right. Well, I mean, we were talking a little bit in the pre-interview, and you mentioned just very briefly how you. I think you even said it matter-of-factly that it wasn't a UFO experience. Uh, what What do you think happened here? I mean, do you have any idea what happened with this flash of light if you don't think it was a UFO? Well, I say that. I, th- I don't really know. Um, I always say that because I don't want to be 100%. Because I didn't see a UFO. You know, I didn't see the little disc-shaped object. I didn't see the cigar, you know, like most people say. And I, I always, I'm not really a skeptic because I don't know. You know, I've never seen, I've seen, I've seen the little dot in the sky that you don't really know what it is. Well, somebody says that's a satellite. Well, you know, I don't know. Uh, I've never seen anything strange. The only thing I've seen is that flash in the sky. So that's why I was saying uh, in your in the pre-interview, I didn't want to, I didn't really want to call Lufon or whoever. I didn't know, you know, if to call them because do I say it's an alien spacecraft or you know could it have been a somehow an airplane turned, you know, from a distance and shown through the trees? But that's never happened that way before. You know, it in my mind it didn't. You know, in my mind, I couldn't zero it with a plane. You know, I, I don't. I, I'm sure it wasn't, but I didn't want to say, oh, 100% it's a UFO." Yeah, you know, I, I don't want to. I'm not going to say no, it wasn't, but I'm going to say, I. It's hard for me to. It's hard for me to say without seeing a, some sort of a craft. Yeah, you know, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I exact. I know exactly what you're saying. I mean, I, I've had some weird experiences in the woods myself. I mean, I, I've talked about it before on the show where you know I was actually at the Ohio Bigfoot Conference and I went on a hike at night with two, uh, three other guys, and uh, we saw this glowing light in in within the canopy of the forest that it was up a hill from us and it was just like pulsating in and out very slowly and we just stand there watching it and then it just pulsated out like it just faded away and it was gone uh it wasn't moving it was very stationary and it was definitely on the inside of the canopy and uh it was just it was a very fascinating experience and i always call that an orb uh do you, yeah. Would you say that this was an orb? I mean, maybe, maybe an orb. But that, I mean, a lot of people think that orbs are UFOs, unidentified flying objects. So I guess you'd have a hard time saying orb as well, I, wouldn't you? Well, no. I mean, I, I guess I could say maybe an orb. Um, I guess because it flies, it could be a UFO. But I, I don't. I just always chalked it up as a flash. <laughs> I don't really know. <laughs> Whatever, whoever wants to call it, whatever. <laughs> I got you. You know, strange is what I call it. <laughs> yeah, definitely strange. Definitely strange. Let me ask you: uh, Was there any missing time? No, there. Um, as far as during that day, no, I didn't miss any kind of. I didn't wake up, you know, missing. Like, uh, where did that hour go? The only thing I I just can't remember, you know, what year it was. Um, or what exact month it was. I just chalk that up as it to not be as to not being a like real traumatic experience. Um, but I don't, I don't, I don't see that as, as me going, I can't remember, uh, what happened. 
you know, um, as far as missing an hour of that day or three hours of that day, no, I don't, I don't have any missing time like that. Uh, that's good. I mean, <laughs> I, I always hope yeah. that somebody would say, no, no missing time. <laughs> I mean, it makes, yeah, it makes good for a story, but for you personally, it's always a good thing. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> oh man. But, uh, you know, I, I have a good friend of mine. Uh, he was on the show, or was he? No, he wasn't on the show yet. Uh, anyways, he's he's a good friend of mine. His name's Doug Waller, and uh, he's written several Bigfoot books. And uh, last time I saw, actually two times ago when I saw him, we, we went out to dinner after a conference that him and I spoke at. And uh, it was him, me, my brother, and his assistant, uh, Shauna. And we were all having dinner and they were talking about his new book that he was going to be coming out. I think he was talking about writing a, a book that didn't really have maybe as much to do with Bigfoot, but more just odd things. Long story short, he starts telling me about how somebody that they were camping with, uh, she had got up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and the, the forest was pitch black and there, I guess there was coyotes going off or something like that. So she was, she took her phone out uh, and turned on like the video just to kind of, um, shoot video, getting the coyotes going off and things like that. And something, yeah. I think she took a picture for some reason, like it was completely blackout. Like it was, there's no lights, nothing. It's just completely dark. And, but she decided to take a picture as well. And so she took a picture and when she looked down at her phone, the forest that she took a picture of was all lit up and it wasn't, first of all, it wasn't the flash because she said the flash was off. I saw this picture myself right. and this picture shows light being beamed down into the forest. You can literally see uh, these streaks of light shining down through the branches of the forest. It, like, it lit up the whole area. The whole area was lit up. You could see everything. And But That's when she strange. took the picture, she didn't see the flash of light. She didn't see that. It was completely dark the whole time. But on the camera... It shows us the whole area is just lit up. And I saw the picture myself. You can yeah. clearly see that the area is being lit up from above. And uh, it's just That's crazy, right? It's fascinating. And uh, yeah. I, I wonder if you would have been able to get a picture of that before. You know, obviously you didn't know. But uh, if you would have been yeah. able to get a picture, I, would, I wonder what it would have looked like, you know? I don't know. It, I almost it, it almost to me, when I thought it, when I think about it, it, it almost looks like a <laughs> it almost looked like a stage light coming on and going off like a really bright uh, stage light or something like that. But it would have been so fast. I mean, you'd have had to been out there videoing as it was that fast uh, or just constantly snapping pictures or a trail cam or something with a video. I don't even think a trail cam because um, I have I have several uh, trail cameras that I don't think it would have caught how it wasn't like so fast that I didn't notice it, but I don't think a trail camera would have caught it going off that quick uh, on and off that quick. Uh, but I th a video would have caught it, but, uh, it, it was just, it was just crazy. Um, you know what it was. I, I don't know. And, and I, the only reason I said that I couldn't, I didn't really want to say it wasn't a plane at first is because I've seen them with what I call their headlights on. It's their landing lights, like turning and stuff like that. Right. But they've never been close enough where you could say, that, oh, they've lit me up, you know, and it was a completely different style of light. So that that was just my rational, you know, mind saying it's got to be something 
that you've seen before, you know. And I know it wasn't a car because you can't see cars from the road of the the thicket so thick of brush and briars and stuff on the ground that I don't, <laughs> you know, just your, your rational mind tries to figure out things and you just go, well, you get to a point, you just go, I don't know, there's a flash of light. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, well, you you just got to move on, I guess, you know, as long as something doesn't happen to you, you just got to move on and, and uh, at least I just needed to tell, I, I wanted to tell somebody because I thought uh, it's kind of a cool story that you can tell, you can tell your buddies or you, know, you, you might tell a girl every once in a while and maybe... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she. I think it's cool. I don't know. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, man. I, I think it's a. It's just an interesting story. Uh, it's definitely something out of the ordinary, and you know, it just again, it just shows that there's really this world is full of mystery still, and we haven't figured it out yet. <clears throat> and it just it takes people like you coming forward and just sharing your experience. And that's what you did today. I appreciate that because, uh, you know, what you just shared sparked the memory in my head of what Doug Waller shared with me. And it's, it's not the exact same thing, but it's definitely something similar where maybe she didn't see the flash of light because it happened so fast, like you described. Uh, and so she didn't see the flash of light, but maybe it did happen. And she just so happened to take a picture of it. I don't know, but I, I just find it interesting that, you know, out in the woods, a lot of, weird strange things happen and people just oh yeah that you can't explain it sometimes uh now yeah, the, the woods are a strange place yeah for sure and, and you know like like you said earlier i mean it didn't scare you or anything so i'm assuming you're still hunting you haven't changed any of those habits and stuff uh oh no i mean i didn't this year because i had i was busy but no it didn't knock me off of anything like that no that's good now, uh, I know that you listen to Sasquatch Chronicles. Hypothetically speaking, if you ever come across a Bigfoot while you're hunting, uh, are you ever going to go hunting again? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I guess it really depends on uh, depends on what it does. You know, that, that show, uh, it's a really good show. They Some of those stories are just are really interesting, and, and the way those that those people, those uh, I guess the the experiences they have, uh, especially the hunters, uh, the way it really shakes them up, you know, it, it, it makes you think, man, what would happen if, um, if I saw one of those things out there in the woods and I just, I don't know, I, I like it. I like to go and, uh, I just can't imagine, uh, seeing something like that, that, it, that would that would make me want to quit doing something that that I like, especially as much. And this I say this as much time, effort, and and really resources that you put into doing something like that because it's not it's not a cheap thing that that we do. Sure. Uh, to go out there and and do all that, especially a lot of people put tons. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I'm kind of a cheap cheap hunter. Um, <laughs> a lot of people put a ton a ton of money to go out there and do stuff like that and uh to just to just quit uh they really they really saw something you know out there and uh and a lot of those stories that he that he puts out so uh, you know that they that he does uh some of those encounters especially with hunters are are very uh aggressive and i guess right. that's i guess that's what it you know what makes them 
not want to go anymore. Uh, but I, I guess for me, uh, <laughs> I'm the type of it's aggressive with me. Uh, I think it, it, I guess it was the the show with that, that you did where he, he got in real close and that guy just, just leveled him with that shotgun. Yeah. Um, uh, you, you, you're not gonna mess with me. Uh, <laughs> you, you leave me be. I'm gonna leave you be. But uh, you know, I, <laughs> I'm not just gonna go out there looking for no trouble either. So. Sure, sure. No, I, I get it. Yeah, I, I totally understand it. I mean, I, I kind of feel the same way. Uh, defend yourself if you have to, but right. Uh, yeah. You know, I just real quick it reminds me of a story that was told to me in Cannonsburg a couple of weeks ago when I spoke at that conference and uh, this guy, we did a town hall meeting. That's what it was. And uh, this guy shared his experience where, and he lived right around the corner and he hunt, hunted locally and stuff. And he was hunting this area his entire life and he never had a problem. He never thought about Bigfoot, nothing. And uh, long story short, he had a lot more details than what I'll be able to remember. Uh, he shot a deer and uh, he couldn't track it down. It was gone. And so he, he went back to his stand or whatever. Yeah, I think it was his stand. And uh, he, he, he wound up shooting another deer. And he tracks that one down into a valley. He calls his friend and to help him to come uh, help him because he had to be able to get it out of there. And so they All go right. down there. And I'm not a hunter. Actually, I'm, I'm going to actually try to get it, get into hunting uh, within the next year or so. I think oh. it's something I want to try. <laughs> You'll be hooked. I know. Um, but uh, he... he he was talking about how he was walking down this valley and he saw his bolt uh, stuck at, stuck into the ground. I'm not sure what that means. Something to do with the, the, the bow, though, I guess. Yeah, it's a, cross, it's a crossbow bolt, yeah. Okay. So, like he said, it was like yeah. jammed into the ground and him and his buddy were just like, that, that's weird, you know? <laughs> they didn't do that. And uh, then they came across the deer. The deer wasn't eaten. The deer wasn't gutted. The deer's legs weren't broken, head wasn't broken or twisted, just that the body was torn in half. And wow, he said, <laughs> he, he's looking, he's looking, you know, at me and he's like, what can do that? What else can do that? And I'm like, man, Bigfoot. Like, I don't know what else to tell you. I mean, like, <laughs> that was Bigfoot, man. Like, I, like, what else does that? I can't even do that. You know, <laughs> like he said, it was just, right. yeah, it, it was just torn in half. It, like you could see the, the right. skin, the body was stretched until it was torn in half. And, uh, wow. and he took it as a sign of something telling him, get out of here. This is my area. Get out. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, um, I- interesting stuff, but that actually, I think he said that he doesn't hunt anymore because of that or something like that, or he doesn't hunt those woods now or something like that. But you know, every hunter is going to react differently when it comes to that stuff. So, uh, fortunately for you, it was a flash of light, not a Bigfoot. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that goes back to the violent part of it. You know, the violent, the violent reaction, I guess, of a, if you want to go back to a predator protecting its area or whatever, they go, they go to 10, you know, they cranked it up to 11, you know, to get you out of their area. <laughs> I guess you would, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I, I would, I would think so. So, <laughs> well, Tony, man, it's always nice to talk to another Tony, uh, before we get out of here, yeah. uh, when it came to your, when it comes to your experience, just 
real quick, what's your gut feeling? What what do you think happened that day? Do you think it was just some kind of like swamp gas or do you think it might have been a UFO? I mean, or do you just reserve yourself to not have an opinion? Man, I'm kind of, I, I think it was something, I think it was, I really think it was something looking at me, but whether or not it was a, it was a UFO or, or maybe it was an orb, um, just taking a look at me. I don't know. That's kind of what I think. It was some, some sort of orb or UFO, something just taking, maybe winking at me or something. I don't know. <laughs> I got you. Well, now, now I have another question for you. And okay. what's the difference in your mind? Now, there's no right or wrong answer to this, but what's the difference in your mind between an orb and a UFO? Well, the I guess what I've always considered the UFO being the, the craft, you know, like you would see that's not terrestrial necessarily, or, or maybe a terrestrial craft that's not a human craft. And then an orb maybe being some sort of a, maybe the being itself in a form that we don't understand or an or being just something completely different that we don't really understand. I don't really can, I don't really connect the two necessarily, but I could be wrong. Um, I know that orbs float, but I don't, I don't know that they're flying I, other than being flying objects. I don't really consider the two, uh, being linked necessarily. I mean, they could be linked, but I don't consider them a machine as much as I consider a UFO like a machine. I That's gotcha. what I've always, you know. Yeah. Totally get it, man. Well, Tony, I really appreciate being on here tonight and uh, sharing your experience, man. Yeah, man. It's awesome. I appreciate you letting me share. For sure, man. If you ever have anything else, just let me know. I will, man. I surely will. All right. Take care. Well, that was Tony. Thank you very much, Tony, for coming on the show and sharing your story. I really do appreciate it. And next up, we have Carrie coming on. And Carrie is going to be sharing some of her haunting experiences that she's experienced throughout her whole life. And we're going to be doing it straight from the graveyard. Let's get into it. Okay, today we have a great guest coming on. We have Carrie, and Carrie is live from the graveyard. So how are you doing, Carrie? I'm good, thanks. How about yourself, Tony? I'm doing well. Now, you're up in Canada, and you know you said that your husband doesn't like this stuff, so you decided to leave the house, and you're going to be doing this in the graveyard. So we have a paranormal show coming up here with different ghostly stories, and you're talking in the graveyard. You're braver than me. You're braver than me. <laughs> I, I thought that after I got here, I thought, what am I going to be bringing home? But you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah well we'll see what happens but uh if anything does happen just stop what you're saying and tell us what's going on around you we want to know okay <laughs> a live look so um you have a lot of different experiences here and they're kind of like really uh a little bit all over the place i mean it really kind of in, in your email to me and stuff you said that things really started happening when you're two years old now uh when i was two years old i can't remember a darn thing but 
I know people like you because my wife is like that where she actually remembers things from when she was like two years old. Uh, I, I barely remember anything from my childhood. So, you know, uh, I'm very interested in hearing some of your experiences. So just kind of take away from us or, and just share with us what you got going on or what you had going on in life up to now. So it did start around when I was two years old. I was the person with invisible friends. I had invisible kitties all the time. They followed me everywhere. At night, I would insist my parents put them in my closet because they kept me up all night. If they didn't put them in the closet, I would be the kid that was calling for them. They're annoying me. Get them out of here. I can't handle them. And they all just thought it was an imaginary friend. Looking back, I think it was so much more than that because I continued it on for so long. And I was very adamant waking up in the middle of the night. These things are bugging me. I mean, when you're two and you're groggy in the middle of the night, you're not usually thinking about your imaginary friends if they're not really there, is my opinion. So I'm convinced it started right from that age. Um, I had a couple of memories from the time I was around the age of 8 to 10. A few times in the middle of the night, I'd go running into my brother's room half asleep, telling him, move over, I can't sleep in my room, the ghosts are bugging me again. And I always made it back to my own bed before morning, before anyone realized I was out of mind. And you just brought this up just a couple of months ago. And I said to my brother, oh, that only happened a couple of times. And he was in disbelief. Like he right, right off the bat said, it was a regular occurrence. It happened almost every night. I can't believe I've blocked that much out of my mind, that it's bugged me that much, that I didn't think of it for so long. So I find that really interesting that for a couple of years, it was almost every night, and I only remember bits and pieces of it. And then to continue on, my mother was a very devout Catholic. Ghosts and demons are not something we could bring up or talk about. But she heard, she uh, believed in angels and stuff. And her father passed away when I was in grade five, so I was about 10. And she had this ability to say, Dad, give me a sign. The lights would go off. The lamp would flicker. There would be a knocking sound. Snow might fall off the roof. My grandpa always answered her instantaneously. And it always baffled me how she could believe in that and not in ghosts. So how is it that I'm having these experiences? She is too, but only with her father just not recognizing. Um, my grandpa used to work up in the Northwest Territories, and he believed in aliens. He was quite certain he'd seen things in the field at night. And he would always tell my mother, you know, if the aliens come to get me, I'm going. And she lived in fear as a child that she would come home from school, her dad would be gone, and didn't even have time to leave a note. But again, this lady couldn't believe in ghosts, but she believed in aliens. So it was very <laughs> conflicting growing up. Like, well, Mom, you said you believe in this, but you don't believe in that. Because I certainly believe you can't have the light without the dark. There has to be that balance. But again, no ghost, but she liked that I went to psychic. Um, I had a lot of intuition. Probably about puberty, I would say this. It was intuition. There was a boy in my class. I had a crush on him. I could figure out every morning what he was wearing to school. I could wear something similar. It was the 90s. It was the time of Gas and Nike and Adidas. And everyone just wore T-shirts and jeans. And we had a lot of the similar things. I could tell in the morning what he was going to wear. I knew last minute if he was going to change what he was going to wear. And it always drove him crazy. Like she said, are you reading my mind? And for a while, I kind of thought, well, am I? Because how do I know that he's wearing that orange shirt tomorrow? I just knew. I knew last minute if he changed, I would put the red one on. And it never got us anywhere. We never entered into a relationship looking back. That was a good thing. Um, but just little things like that. And all of my aunts were like that as well. The phone could ring. My mom, my aunts, they could all say, that's so-and-so calling. This is before the days of call display. My mom could always figure out who it was calling and what they needed. 
And I asked my grandma, my maternal grandma, about some of this. And she was the one that told me that her mom was a psychic and could read TVs. And she said, there's no doubt that I probably did pass down some of the generations. Um, up until last year, my parents still didn't have call display. My mom still had that ability to say, that's so-and-so calling. And I also had that ability, but only on their phone, probably because my phone is call display. But at my parents' house, the phone rings, I could still tell you who was calling and what they wanted. So that was a very common occurrence, just knowing what something was going to happen, but not until it happened. So like another example, uh, it's so hard to put my fingers on some of them, but there's examples where a lot of times somebody would say, guess what? And the idea would come to me instantly. I'd blurt it out and they'd look at me and say, how did you do that? Wow. I don't know how I did that. And like I said, it was never far in advance. It's not like I knew weeks in advance or days in advance. It usually was in the moment. And I don't know where that came from. And it would drive my friends crazy. Often, like, music was a big thing and still is a big thing to a lot of us. And my friends would say, I heard this new song. They'd play it for me. I'd start singing to it. Never heard it before in my life. And they'd say, how do you do that? I don't know. I just did. Um, my friends and I used to go to... There's knocking on the window and there's no one around me. Sorry. <laughs> um. My best friend and I always went to psychics whenever we had the chance. Every psychic I went to always told me I had several angels with me. And I was also told that angels are usually people you knew in your lifetime that have already passed. Uh, my friend was always exasperated. What about me? Do I have any? To which every psychic would say, well, you've got a couple, but she's got the whole flock or the whole fire. And my mom loved this. She'd always say, you're so protected. And then she'd start guessing who they were. Um, one psychic picked up that I would sometimes see things and she said I was susceptible to the dark side. And that's the reason I had so many angels was in order to keep the dark out and the light in or else it could consume me. She had asked if I had ever seen flashes of blue. And I always had at that point in time, I'd even gone to my eye doctor because I was concerned. Was it epilepsy? Was it a brain tumor? What was going on? She said my eyes were fine. She couldn't find any reason why I was seeing these flecks of blue. And then it was the psychic that told me that the flexible are the angels coming to protect you from any dark around you. So I found that really interesting as well. Now, my maternal grandmother had sold her house to my cousin and moved into a retirement home. My cousin redid this entire house. To our knowledge, nobody has died in this location. My cousin tore it down, built it, keeping the same layout. And after she moved in, things started happening. I would often babysit her school, her children. I was in high school and university. The boys were just under two years apart. And there was one night I had just put the baby to bed and the wind came up. And they had this tree that was 100 feet tall at least. They had talked to two different companies to try and take the trees down. Nobody had insurance to cover a tree of that magnitude. They were scared they weren't able to get it down without hitting the power lines, the adjoining neighbors, the house, anything. And the wind came up and I was sitting in what they called the den and this tree was swaying. And then all of a sudden it kept going to the right and it wasn't coming back up and it floated down like a feather. This hundred foot tree took out wires from the house. It didn't damage the house in any other way. It didn't damage the other house on the other side. It didn't damage any vehicles. But it was as if it was put down like a pillow. It was the most incredible thing I've ever seen. The whole philosophical question, if a tree falls in the forest, does anyone hear it? I had every window open. I, you couldn't hear it fall. It was that soft. 
And I kept thinking, well, by this point, uh, my grandpa had passed. Was he helping it down gently? Um, there was other things that happened in that house. Uh, I've stayed many nights there. And it's always in my cousin's house, the bedroom upstairs. The door would slam constantly. Like, you'd prop it open. I'd put um, garbage cans in front of it, shoes. And that door would just slam on you no matter what happened. In the middle of the night, I'd wake up, there'd be this bubble-ish entity hanging over me, not letting me out of bed. And it just hung there. And it was the most scariest thing I could feel. It was all the hairs in the back of your neck up. And I was calling for my angels to send them away as the psychic had taught me. And all of a sudden, this face came up in the window. And he was a 1940s person. He had a big black mustache, rounded top hat, black coat, collared white shirt. And whenever he came to the window that night, that entity would stop harassing me, but he wouldn't go away. It would just kind of hover there. And then when that head went away, it would start its reign of terror of freaking me out again. And that head would come back and it would stop. And I told my mom about this head and I explained and described in great detail. And she said to me, well, that's Mr. Emery. That's who originally built the house for grandma and grandpa. She recognized the person right away. And so she felt he was coming back to maybe look over the house. And when the youngest child was about seven, it was around three o'clock, I think, every night, my cousin had said he would come running into her room, freaking out, screaming, crying. It was like clockwork. Something was bugging him. And she had called me, and I had just seen the psychic that had told me about the dark and stuff. And she had given me a medicine pouch. That's what I think she called it. It had a bunch of sage and some other blessed herbs in it and rocks and crystals and it was supposed to keep the bad stuff away and so I gave it to her begrudgingly because I was using it for myself I thought well this poor child needs it more than I do and after that they never bugged her youngest child again but one night she did hear him talking and she didn't want to freak him out because she has also had experiences in the house she didn't want her kids to be scared to sleep and so she asked him the next morning what it was. And he told her that it was our grandpa that came to visit him. He had never met our grandpa, which would be his great grandpa. He had passed about 10 years before he was born. And he said, Grandpa just asked if he liked living in this house, if he liked playing hockey, and all sorts of questions you would ask the seven-year-old. And he was completely fine with it and didn't even really seem to question why someone was in his room in the middle of the night talking to him. So, and that's the only experience we're aware that he has ever had. He doesn't really said anything else like that. Um, now, there's other times when so we had a feeling this ghost traveled because it bothered me, it bothered my cousin, and next door my cousin was house sitting for who he was the fire chief at the time, and he had his phone line tied up to the fire hall. So in emergencies, it rang at both places just to make sure there was coverage. And the fire hall called her one day to go check their phone line because it was off the hook and not working. And she went into their kitchen to find a portable phone at the time, the cordless, sitting upright in the kitchen on the floor off the base. There's no way a cat would have knocked it off the counter perfectly to stand upright and be turned on. And a few other things started happening in that house when she was house-sitting. The clocks were changing time, the batteries were coming out, and the people accused her of letting her children play in the house when they got home. And then when they went to look, they realized, well, hey, these clocks are on a cathedral ceiling. Nobody could reach them without a ladder, and she would never have let her seven- and eight-year-old play in there unattended, obviously. And when I started bringing these incidents up at work, 
another person who lived in the same small village said they had a similar occurrence in their house where they were making supper one day and they had an electric frying pan full of the supper. Too early to turn it on, they sat down for a visit. The frying pan picked up and flew into the wall, flinging the meat and the whole meal everywhere. Neither one of them were near it, neither one of them had touched it. And then their daughter started confiding in them, saying that there was an old man sitting in her rocking chair every night when she was sleeping, freaking her out and keeping her up. So I started wondering, does this ghost travel? Because the more people you talk to in this little village outside of my hometown, the more people had experiences with this ghost. So I did a little research, and there was a place called the Sugar Shack. And apparently it was in, in, its, in its glory in the 50s and 60s, and it was a dilapidated house that people went there, they did drugs, and God knows what else. Everyone said it was the darkest place to go to, and that they're sure people died there, and they were wondering if all of these spirits were still kind of trapped from that location. Now, whether or not that's true, there's not a lot of history, written history for this area, so that's really hard to find. But where it gets really interesting more so for me was in December 2007, I moved into my own apartment in my hometown, and right before I moved in, a guy had died in the building. At first, they had suspected homicide. Uh, there was blood everywhere. They could not figure out what happened. It turns out he had a brain aneurysm. He bled through his ears and mouth, which made the mess. But when I moved in December, by February, things were happening in my apartment. Um, my paternal grandma had bought me this really nice ceramic heart-shaped dish for Valentine's Day. And it was white, had little uh, red hearts all over it. I kept it on my end table with some candies. And I came home one day from work, and it was shattered, still sitting in the place on the table with the candies on top of the shattered mess. Now, my table was a glass coffee table. So when I cleaned it up, I noticed there wasn't even any scratches on the table, as if someone, you'd get it, you know, when you move the dish too hard or you slam it. My table was untouched, which I found rather odd, but, and I had no pets, so I thought, okay, well, maybe it was a, something was wrong with the ceramic in it, maybe it just cracked on its own, and I left it. Well, then in the middle of the night, I started waking up to my bathroom taps and my kitchen taps running full blast with water. And in my bathroom, it was both, um, it had a, a hot and cold handle, and both handles, both knobs were turned full blast. The kitchen was on, and I first thought, well, okay, maybe I didn't quite turn them off tight enough. So the next night, I was using both hands to tighten them as hard as possible, and I was still waking up in the middle of the night to the water running full blast. I couldn't explain that, because when I used two hands to tighten those taps, I needed two hands to turn them back on. It wasn't something that just slowly came loose again. And then things started picking up. I'd come home from work and my shower curtain would be ripped. Sometimes it would be just ripped off of one ring. Sometimes I'd come home and the whole shower curtain would be ripped off every ring and hanging in my, and laying in my bathtub. I went through a lot of shower curtains. I could not figure out what was going on. I started panicking, thinking, has someone got an extra key. Nobody had lived in my apartment for several years. They had never told me why. And then they had renovated it for me to move in. So I thought, well, if they haven't changed my key, what if someone's playing a prank on me? So a friend of mine had told me to put scotch tape on the outside of my door in the shape of like a 90 degree, almost like an L from the door frame onto the door. So when you would open the door, you could see if the tape had been cut open. And I tried it a couple times to make sure that, yes, the tape would actually break, and it did. 
I left it. I did it that night, put fresh tape on. When I got home, it was about 12.30, 1 o'clock, I think. And I checked the tape. I, the tape had not been cut, but I could hear noise coming from within my apartment. So when I got into my apartment, I went to find the source of the noise, and it was my alarm clock ringing. Now, I'm terrified of alarm clocks. I wake up to music on my cell phone. If I have an alarm clock to a buzzer set, I will wake up every hour trying to beat that noise because I can't stand waking up to something startling. I've never, ever had that alarm clock in use, and now all of a sudden it was buzzing. I had no idea how long it had been buzzing for. It's never been set. That was why I was thinking, okay, something's really not right here. And then at night, from time to time, I would wake up to something. It was a finger poking me in my lower back, kind of like a tap, tap, tap. Wow. Wake up, I'm here. And it was kind of where you kind of shake your shoulders, pull the blankets tighter, and just, okay, I'm not feeling you. I'm just going to go back to sleep. Until I was sick one night, I had taken some cold medication, and I have bad sinuses, and I'm quite certain I didn't have a fever, but I started hallucinating, and there was a staff in my room, and it was the city image of Medusa, snakes in, snakes in her hair, but stone just staring at me, and I kept screaming at her, go away, leave me alone, leave me alone, and she would go nowhere. And my friend had called. She'd been on a date that night. She wanted to tell me how it went. And she said every word I spoke, she could not understand. She said they were words. They were not making sense. They weren't strung together properly. She was so concerned. She actually called my parents to come and check on me. I have no idea what I said to her. I'm not bilingual by any means. I don't think I would have been speaking another language to her. But to her, it wasn't English. To her, it wasn't anything she was understanding. And I, that's always bugged me that something could take over. If that if that was what was in my room, was it making me talk? You know, that, that yeah. I really struggle wondering when that could have been. Um, and the taps would still continue to keep running and going. And so I reached out to one of my good friends. He's Chinese. And he told me a story of his childhood of some of the mysterious things they encountered when they were little and how his grandparents had to ward them off. And so I asked him for help and he offered to ask his mother. There was very superstitious. And the next day he came back with a response that quite shocked me. He had told his mother all of my experiences. She was very angry at him and accused him of bringing bad energy into the house by speaking. Um, she was so upset. He said that she went to temple, which she had done in about 20 years. And then I felt terrible. I thought, oh, my goodness, have I passed this on to them? Uh, but he didn't give up on me. He went to Chinatown, and he asked questions around on how to ward off spirits. And people had suggested that I put mirrors outside, because if you have a mirror outside, it traps the spirit, and it can't enter your house. The problem being in an apartment building, I'm in a hallway. We couldn't hang things outside in the hallway. And then my other fear was, am I just going to trap a bunch of spirits in a city stuck in this hallway? So I was worried about the fallout from that. So eventually him and I did some research and we found a few things I could do. Um, what I ended up doing was I burned the candle, I confronted the ghost, I acknowledged it, and I asked the police saying it could not reside with me anymore. And after that, that one went away. And it was I, it shocked me how simple it was because I don't think it's always that easy to get rid of something. Yeah. You know, and in 2006, I had lived in my paternal grandparents' house 
they had moved into a retirement home. They didn't want to get rid of their original home just in case they wanted to move back and didn't like it. So I said, well, I'll rent it. Let me live here while you decide. And it worked out great, except there were a few times all the cupboards would open in the kitchen. And not just one, it was like three walls of cupboards. Every cupboard would be open. No drawers, just the cupboards. And you walk in, you go to the kitchen, get something, go to the living room, think, oh crap, I forgot my glass of water, whatever the case was, go back and every cupboard would be open. And that used to bug me because then I was concerned, well, is this a poltergeist? Uh, I had asked my grandma and she said the same thing used to happen to her all the time. Now, my grandpa had built this house in the 50s, so nobody else had lived on the land or in a house in that location. It was a newer area of town, a newer development. So that, I don't know where it would have come from. Yeah. You know, that that was the other thing. And after I moved out, my cousin bought the house and moved in and she moved her baby in. And at this point, our grandpa had just passed. And she said there were times when she would look down at her baby and her baby was giggling and smiling at the only way grandpa could ever get him to do that. So she was certain that he was coming back because a few years later when the baby was now a toddler, she said at night you would hear footsteps going from my grandpa's favorite chair because it was all of his old furniture going into his bedroom and crawling into bed. And then when that happened, her three-year-old would come running into her bedroom every night like clockwork. So we had wondered if at that point, if grandpa had come back to the house. But when, when I was living in there, grandpa was still alive. So that didn't really solve my problem. Hmm. Uh, uh, starting in 2011, I started working at our local hospital and care home. And a lot of people said they had had issues, mainly the dietary and housekeeping staff. So they had issues with an old man that was there that was very mean to them. He was a ghost and he, they didn't like cleaning in certain areas. I never saw him. What's interesting with me is places that are active for everybody else are not usually active for me. So for me to walk in and everyone say, oh yeah, I always see a ghost here. There's a good chance I'm not going to. I tend to have issues where maybe not other people do as a whole, maybe one or two, but not as a whole. And one day I walked into work and we had a Ukrainian resident that was on our way out. I knew it was only going to be a matter of days. And she said to me as I walked through the door, don't laugh, I'm dead. And she wasn't dead when I left work yesterday. So when I got to my desk, I asked the night staff, guys, he's so and so passed. And they looked at me like I was crazy. No, she's still here. I said, oh, okay. And I, and I could hear the voice again, don't, I'm dead. And so I said to the ladies, like, are you absolutely sure she's still with us? And they said, of course we are. Then we had a day staff coming on because you have two night nurses, two day nurses kind of thing. And one of the day nurses was over listening to this all. And she looked at me kind of curiously. She waited until the night staff left and said, I'm going to go check her. And she went to the resident's room and sure enough, the resident had passed and had passed probably within a couple hours. Wow. So fairly recent but not recent enough that they probably should have checked her and so i had known right away and so she'd asked if he go if being an activity director would go sit with her until the family got there and i said absolutely and a health care came in because you try to make them more presentable when their family comes in to say goodbye and sure. she went to pick out uh i believe it was a red nightgown and the lady said to me not that one i want the blue one and i had to say oh sorry she wants the blue one and i was waiting for them to kind of say well what are you talking about but they nodded in understanding and the girl said yeah we've all had experiences here i don't know she's telling you what she wants to wear she was very feisty when she was with us and so she was communicating through me that way and it was about a year later 
when her daughter was bringing up the day she died because her daughter also worked at this location. And I told her my story and I was kind of hesitant. You never know how some people are going to accept this. Some people don't like to hear about it at all. Some people are really into it. So I, I proceeded with caution and I told her the story. And by the time I was done, she was crying and she thought that was just amazing. She was just like, wow, that's amazing that she came through like that. And I was kind of happy I shared it with her because I was really tempted not to. Um, and so another time at the hospital, I was coming down a hallway when I saw an older gentleman going to be checked into our admitting room. And so they have little cubicles for the patients to go into. If you need to go to the emergency room, that's where you give your, your health card and all of your information. And it's semi-private. And I saw him go into the cubicle, but kind of stumble. He was probably about 80 years old and he was dressed in like janitor gear, like those utility blue pants kind of thing and a plaid jacket or a plaid shirt and a jacket. And an old blue hat, and he stumbled, and I thought, well, it's quicker for me to get there than the girls in the bidding to have to come all the way back out the door. They're able to come out and come around. By the time I got to the cubicle, which never left my sight, he was there was no one in there. He was nowhere to be seen. And the girl was sitting there looking at me, like, oh, can I help you, Carrie? Uh, what happened to the gentleman? Uh, she's like, there's been no one in here for a half hour. Jeez. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's just <laughs> chills, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, and like one thing I do currently see, like it's been pretty quiet since I met my husband. Like I said, he's really not into this. He firmly believes if you open that door, then it has a negative impact on your life. And not, I'm not going to say bad things happen, but you just have negative experiences because you're allowing it in. And since I've met him, he's been so strong with that that I feel like that's what has decreased a lot of my experiences. All I really see now, we have one apartment, we own some businesses that we, and we travel a lot. So we have a few apartments and houses. And in one apartment in a business of ours, I see shadow things all the time. And they're not people. They're definitely creatures. They're the size of my cat or dog. And you think it is the cat or dog until you see the cat and dog both lying next to you. They always come in the entranceway door. Um, it's just constant, constant, constant shadows. In our main house in our hometown, I, there should be stuff happening there. It's the oldest part of town. Our house is from 1924. We literally lived in what was known as the red light district for the miners. Our town is built on mining, and this was the worst area of town to be in back in the 1920s and 30s. And I've only had two two happenings in this house, and it was right after I moved in with him. I was doing laundry downstairs one night. And there was someone tapping me on the back. And each time I turned around, there was no one there. I'd bend over to put the laundry in, and I kept getting those taps again. But there was nothing there. And then one night I came out to go to the bathroom, 3 o'clock in the morning, and there was a man in my living room. And he was tall. He had an old mining gear. He was definitely from the 1920s and 30s, very shaggy looking. And then he disappeared. And it reminded me of the time... Uh, when, when we were in high school, my friends thought it was always fun to use the Ouija board, but it's not fun. I went to visit graveyards at 11 o'clock at night. Again, it wasn't fun for me. We had gone to the drive-in. We had seen a movie. This guy said, let's do a tour of the graveyards. Well, when we left the graveyard, we had a guy in the back of our, the, the, the back of the truck, like the box. It was a ghost. He followed us. And I knew his name was Steve. He told me his name was Steve. And he just kind of thought, hey, these ghosts are up with Mr. Cruz. And I was mad because nobody else had these issues. And when they dropped me off, I had to say to him, you need to stay here. You don't get to come. 
And they're looking at me like, what are you talking about? And I said, well, nothing, because I knew they <laughs> didn't see what I could see, right? And I thought, whose idea was this to go to my graveyard? Good Lord, people. But it's just always been little things like that. I mean, my husband and I travel a lot all over the world. We've been to some of the, we've been to Sarajevo down Sniper's Alley. We've been to Prague, to London, to where there's lots of fighting. And wow. I don't seem to have issues when I travel, which is amazing except when we went to Cuba. And we went to Cuba in 2013. And one night I walked into the lobby of our hotel and there was three, I don't know if they were rebels or soldiers for the opposition or whatever, but I could see them hanging in the lobby of the hotel. And I just went quiet the whole night. I, I, I wanted to puke. It was the worst negative energy I could ever feel. And I really struggled going into the lobby after that. And I thought, I just, I can't, and I know Cuba has had a lot of revolution, a lot of fighting. And I just, I had to avoid that at night just because I thought I, I, I couldn't sleep after I'd seen that. And it just, it sometimes just kind of catches you off guard when you do and don't feel the energy. Sometimes I feel like I should be feeling something or seeing something. I don't. And then times when I do, it's kind of least expected. And I had, and back to even my grandma's house, I was telling my cousins, this week telling her about this whole new world of podcast. And I asked, how she's been handling herself in the house lately. And she said, something is back. She said her dog has been waking up every night at three in the morning, barking in a corner. And when she woke up last week, there was a man standing in her room, but he disappeared as soon as she woke up and she couldn't get a good enough glimpse of what was going on. So and that house is still active, just bumping back to that. Wow. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that... <laughs> What do I say? I mean, your whole life is is just jam packed with stuff, and you know it, it's it's one of those things where some people experience things in bite sized pieces. They they really don't have a ton of experiences, but the one experience they had is very memorable to them and very jammed with detail because it was just such a shocking thing for them. It seems like for you, this is so common that it, it's it's very normal. It just seems like it's like, yep, this is my life. This is my life. Pretty much. And I have to say, like, I'm very lucky knowing the older I get, the scareder I get, if that makes any sense. You know, when you're young, I mean, you always reward things fun at the time, watching all those things fun at the time, but then you realize that there's actually more harmful things that could be coming through. You know, it's not just the friendly ghost that's turning my water on. I, I'm lucky there's no demons or other being entities or anything physically harming me because I have read stories and talked to people that have had that. So in that respect, I'm very lucky that this is my norm and it's not too, too, too scary. Right. And you know, when it comes to that kind of stuff, I was, I was very curious and I'm glad you went into it a little bit here. Uh, so you do distinguish between, you know, like say a ghost versus demonic activity. I mean, the, for you, like they, they are separate things. Uh, like cause you mentioned, you mentioned earlier about the poltergeist stuff. Uh, like, so how do you view all this stuff? I mean, do you, do you view that like there are just different levels of spiritual uh, dimensions or d- d- spiritual entities that, you know, come into our lives in this dimension? Or how, how do you view this stuff? I mean, after your whole life of experiencing it? I think they're all their own individual. You know, once that psychic had told me that I'm susceptible to the dark and then learning all the different dark things that are out there, I think when you open that portal or that door, there's all types. Is it a spirit, a demonic, is it an ent- entity, a poltergeist? I think they all have their own being. And I think it just depends where you are, perhaps, in your life and what type of building you're in at the time that's housing it. 
You know, like I yeah. think part of my thing is I don't think they're necessarily following me from location to location. I think I'm finding openings at these locations and then they're coming through. I got you. You know, like one of the things that you mentioned earlier and stuff about the whole, uh, I think you said it was phone calls where like you knew who was going to call what they wanted kind of thing. And even like with your boyfriend, uh, about how, you know, you knew what he was going to be wearing, things like that. Uh, you know, it's weird because I've talked to several people who had experiences like that in their life that where they, they were, or are able to, you know, predict things. And even I had experiences like that when I was a kid where it was just like, it was like trying to learn how to trust a feeling I was getting. And I remember doing it. uh, And I I said this on a, on another episode as well, but it is what it is. I'm one person. You're going to hear repeat stories. But uh, I I remember when I was a kid, I was sitting on the couch and I was young. I mean, we were in in my old neighborhood and I just had this feeling like the phone was going to ring. And I remembered having that feeling before and things would happen. And so I was like, I'm just going to do this. I'm a little kid. I, I, I don't know. I'm not trying to make a spectacle of things. I'm just trying to see for myself. I stood up. I walked over to the, this is the, this isn't the era of landlines. Okay. I actually had to go to the phone. It wasn't in my pocket. Okay. But <laughs> I get up and I walk over to the phone. I reach my hand out and just as my hands over the phone, it rings. And so in one motion, I just pick up the phone. I answer it. I remember, I think I handed it to my mom. My dad, I turn around, my dad's sitting there and he's like, I'm pretty sure he asked me this. Uh, I have to ask him if he remembers this, but my story is this, that he asked me, did you know that was going to ring? And I just looked at him and was like, yeah. And I just went and sat down on the couch again. And he's just like, okay. <laughs> he just started yeah, watching yeah. watching TV again. I don't think he wanted to touch that, but uh, my dad listens to the show now and stuff. So, I mean, I know if he hears this story, he'll, uh, he'll confirm or deny with me, but uh, you know, it's very interesting. It's just very interesting because I don't seek this stuff out. I, I don't, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian no. and I, I, I was raised a certain way, very conservative. And, you know, like I, I dive into this stuff for knowledge and I, I, I try to understand everybody's experiences and try to put the puzzle together, uh, I, I don't necessarily look to, because some people, they, they actually look to communicate with spirits and they actually look to go on ghost hunts and see if they can communicate with things. It's just not my thing. I, I just, I, I don't really care to do that. I talked to enough people who had those experiences. I got my fill, you know what I mean? But uh, yeah, it, it's just one of those things where uh, it's a very complex issue. And I don't think anybody truly has the the answer i think it's it's very layered and that's why like putting pieces together through shows like this uh, I, I think is very important absolutely and i mean just like you said you don't necessarily speak it out it just happens yeah exactly it, it just happens now let me ask you something your grandfather he wanted to be abducted by aliens like that's crazy <laughs> he did he did like he the stuff he saw up in the northwest territories in yukon left no word of a doubt in his mind that they'd seen um, flying saucers and spaceships. He was convinced with all of his heart. Again, he was one of the most devout Catholics you would ever meet. And he believed there were aliens. And I still couldn't believe my mom believed there were aliens. Because of the way he would tell her the stories of everything he'd seen and experienced. And like, yeah, there's more of this universe. He'd say, I have to find out. If they're going to take me for a ride, I have to go. 
And I thought, wow, <laughs> I don't know where I feel in the whole alien group, but that always shocked me coming from him. He was, he was a very conservative. He was very French, very, <laughs> very Catholic. Yeah. And that was always a, the curveball he'd throw at you. Yeah, I mean, that's... When I, because I mean, I hear people like that, you know, like most people don't want to be abducted, but you do hear people that are, you know, kind of, they actually enjoy the idea of aliens and, and what it would be like and things like that. And whenever I hear of people like that, have you ever seen the the movie Independent Day, Independence Day with Will Smith back in the 90s? What I picture, and it's just like an exaggerated thing, but in my mind, every time I hear people like your grandfather, I picture the woman that's on the roof during the invasion and she has a sign and she's like, take me like that. That would be him. Yes. I mean, that's, 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 that's what I picture, you know, like, cause I don't understand it. I don't understand it because uh, essentially alien abduction is kidnapping. And I don't view that as a good thing, you know, like taking somebody against their will, but with your, with your grandfather, it wouldn't be, he'd be like, yeah, let's do this. Yeah, yeah, no, he would go for sure. And I'm thinking like all the medical experiments they probably do in humans if they get them. And I'm like, oh god, no, I couldn't. Yeah, that's that's it's just crazy to me, but it's fun because I I enjoy talking to different people and you know your experiences, your grandfather's ideas. Like it, you get a, a picture that you know people are just that everybody's different, and I think that in the in a world where communication is so easy it's very hard at the same time to communicate with people effectively. And we see that in our world where there's so much tension, even though we all can communicate so fast and easily, we're miscommunicating, you know? And I find it yeah. very interesting and, and, and awesome that I get the chance to talk to people who through communication like this, and I get to experience and, and take in other people's viewpoints on a very neutral level. And I personally get a chance to further understand, understand humans, you know, just the race of humanity and how we all are so different. And for me, it's great. It's enlightening. And it makes me feel like I'm, I'm, I'm growing as a person to understand people in general. You know, we don't all have to agree. We don't all have to uh, feel like we all are coming from the same direction. But I feel like understanding human beings uh, is one step closer to maybe peace a little bit, because right now we live in a very tense world. And I just find it very ironic that never before in human history has communication been this easy. You shoot a tweet, they get it. You shoot an email, they get it. You call them on Skype, they're there. It's so easy, but yet it seems like we're miscommunicating even 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 as easy as communication has become, we're miscommunicating even more. And it's just, it's very crazy. <laughs> Absolutely. I definitely agree with that on so many levels. Yeah. So Carrie, listen, I really appreciate coming on and sharing these stories and stuff. I mean, it, it, it was a jam-packed, jam-packed information and I, I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. It's been really nice to, be able to talk about it because there's not a lot of people here I can talk about. It. And it's been great, like you said, being able to find all this online communication, knowing you're not alone. And uh, you're not the only one seeing or hearing these things. And like you had said, um, I think it was in number 84, I was just listening with Scott that you're not crazy, you know, and it's, yeah. it's just something that happens. And like he said, too, it becomes an obsession. Like I also get into watching all of these shows and finding more information. Now, these podcasts, like I can't put them down, you know, and it's just something that uh, like a relief, like finally, there's more out there for me than just what I'm experiencing. Yeah. I absolutely agree. And that's why I'm so happy I have this show that I have and that others have shows like mine where it's just very, it's very 
neutral, open, and people can kind of just bang ideas around and stuff. And I, I find that fun and interesting when we can do that without disrespecting each other. And that's why, you know, I Absolutely. really try to, you know, because I don't agree with everybody that comes on the show as far as like the, the way they view things and stuff. But I I can still respect them and we can still hold a conversation and, and try to hammer out details, you know, it's just, uh, Absolutely. I love it. I love it. So thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. the team on my back i do it all for the family everyone that they can rap nobody ever gonna challenge me starting my week on a sunday and then they can make it a one day i just been ready to take off waiting my turn on the runway never be turning around never be turning around hey never be slowing it down never be slowing it down hey i keep my foot on the gas i keep my foot on the gas hey i know i'm never gonna crash i know i'm never gonna crash hey never be turning around never be turning around Chase now, people saying that I change now. Know that I'm never gonna stand still. I'm treating the game like a race now. They really been carefully watching me. They treated me like I was calories, but really they can't get enough of me. They treated me like I'm a salary. They bringing me up in discussion. They wondering how do I do it so casually? I celebrate all of my victories. All of a sudden, they all gonna be mad at me. Damn, I don't have time for concern. I just go live and I learn. Trust me, I waited my turn. Living my dream in return. This is a given concern. People been listening over the world. I've been making that money while I be asleep. I never rented the money, but now all the money been too busy running to me. Hey, I put the team on my back. I do it all for the family. Everyone that they can rap. Nobody ever gonna challenge me. Starting my week on a Sunday, and then they can make it in one day. I just been ready to take off. Waiting my turn on the runway. Never be turning around. Never be turning around. Hey, never be slowing it down. Never be slowing it down. Hey, I keep my foot on the gas. I keep my foot on the gas. Hey, I know I'm never gonna crash. I know I'm never gonna crash, ayy Never be turning around, never be turning around, ayy Never be slowing it down, never be slowing it down, ayy I keep my foot on the gas, I keep my foot on the gas, ayy I know I'm never gonna crash, I know I'm never gonna crash, ayy I'm not doing this for the money, so don't misinterpret my last line The weather ain't always been sunny, but I know that I'm gonna still shine You never gonna make it till you got the power to go and develop a strong mind Cause everything happens where you don't expect it, the journey ain't giving a deadline I'm going till I got a flat line, connecting with people like landline I've been blowing up like a landmine, I put myself on like a combine Knowing the way that they go when I'm ready for more, I don't wait on the sideline I'm feeling like 2011 when Drizzy was dropping them hits like his headlines I don't understand what I can't do, if I cut you off then I had to I'm staying up late like it's fast food, the life of a rapper who in school I don't wanna hear all the people who been trying to give me advice If you haven't done it before then don't give your opinion about what you think I should go do with my life Hey, I put the team on my back, I do it all for the family Everyone that they can rap Nobody ever gonna challenge me Starting my week on a Sunday And then they can make it in one day I just been ready to take off Waiting my turn on the runway Never be turning around Never be turning around Ayy Never be slowing it down Never be slowing it down Ayy I keep my foot on the gas I keep my foot on the gas Ayy I know I'm never gonna crash I know I'm never gonna crash Ayy Never be turning around Never be turning around Ayy Never be slowing it down Never be slowing it down